Boy, yesterday was a doozy. Early yesterday afternoon, reports came out that the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers were in deep conversations to acquire Houston Rockets star and former league MVP James Harden. Harden eventually went to the Nets. Rich and I discussed what Houston's reported asking price was, whether or not the Sixers should have entertained that, the impact that has on their title chances, and where they go from here. If you're not already an Athletic subscriber, head on over to theathletic.com slash SixersBeat, where you can get 50% off of a yearly subscription and read the writing of Rich and myself. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, our second Sixers Beat podcast of the day, the first one you will never hear uh, because a lot of news happened after we recorded it. How you doing, Rich? I'm okay, man. It's it's good to be talking to you for a second time. <laughs> yeah. As our friend Zach Berman says, I'm excited for this podcast. Um, it's Yeah, it's been a crazy day. So we recorded a podcast this morning, uh, mostly talking about the game against Miami, where the Sixers stood COVID-wise, the play of Joel Embiid, what we're seeing out of Tyrese Maxey, and we'll maybe get to some of that in a bit, but about, I want to say half an hour after, uh, pretty much right when we ended, we started hearing rumblings that uh, something could go down today. A little bit after that, the Sham Sharani came out, report came out that the Sixers and the Nets were in pretty deep discussions to acquire James Harden and that a deal was likely to be finished soon. Well, it turns out it was actually finished soon, probably about 4 p.m. Eastern time. It was announced that the Brooklyn Nets had acquired James Harden. So we are here to talk about a trade which didn't happen. So I guess, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about a trade that didn't happen, but that in real time, we knew the Sixers were very much a part of the discussion. Oh, sure. It's a, and this it's is a, a very 2021 this is a, a story. Beat podcast here, cracking the first beer on the Sixers beat. You oh, yeah. Never done that before. What are it you is, drinking? It's an IPA. <laughs> never it's happened. Been, it's been a day, though. It's been a day. So, yeah, go ahead. Finish your. I, I interrupted you to announce the beverage consumption. Yeah. The Yeah, it was just a crazy couple hours because the Sixers were. Apparently in the running, but then the uh, the Nets offer comes out, and uh, I guess you can you can read off all those names and picks now because it was a doozy. They gave yeah, up a lot. So full trade. Uh, the Nets are sending out uh, Karis LeVert, Terran Prince, Jared Allen, Rodion's Kurucs, and a total of four first round picks. Three of them theirs, one of them from Milwaukee. Um, theirs are coming in 2022, 24, and 26. Milwaukee's also comes in 2022. They are all unprotected, completely unprotected. And then they have four pick swaps where Houston gets the right to swap picks if Brooklyn's pick is better. So they have pick swaps coming in 2021, 23, 25, and 27. So essentially, for the next seven years, the Houston Rockets control the draft capital of the Brooklyn Nets. And we've never seen a trade like that go bad. It's never happened in the history of sport. Those trades always work out. In addition to that, uh, the... We've never, by the way, we've never seen a Brooklyn Nets trade like that go bad before. Right. So in addition to that, the Rockets also get Victor Oladipo uh, from the Pacers. This ended up being a four-team trade. 
Dante Exum, who's injured right now. The um, Pacers get Karis LeVert in a second rounder. The Cavs get Jared Allen and Terrain Prince. And the Nets, of course, get James Harden. So, you know, I guess we'll get into how this impacts the Nets in a little bit and how, how much better they are as a team because of it, because it impacts the Sixers. But this is a Sixers podcast. So I guess we'll just start off pretty open-ended. You know, from a, a if you if we are speaking to an audience of Sixers fans, if you were a Sixers fan, Rich, how would you react to this? Are you happy? Are you upset? Are you nervous? H- how would you react? I think I would be nervous either way. You know, if the deal got made or it didn't get made, we as we talked about in the couple months leading up to this, there was risk on both sides yes. of this deal. Um, and I think if the Sixers had made this trade with, I, I don't know what the equivalent would have been, you know, I guess we'll get into what was reported as the draft capital, but like, let's just say Simmons, Maxi, seven years worth of picks. They can't trade seven years worth no, of picks. Cause they owe a 2025 Oklahoma city one. Yep. They basically, let's say the next four years worth of picks. Which they can't trade. Um, Three of them. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. let's, I would say, be let's ne- say three picks and one pick swap. I would be nervous about that. Sure. Uh, and, and that would be mortgaging your future for something that I'm not sure would be a championship contender. On the other hand, they would have James Harden and they would be a better basketball team right now. And I know Harden has a lot of questions. I think. The way he started the season was interesting because he had two really good games. And then he's kind of sucked as he started to sulk. And you would have to bet that that was simply just him wanting a trade and and just checking out of the situation in Houston. Which, by the way, I'm not trying to... uh, He literally did everything that he could in Houston. He literally, not figuratively, he literally did everything he could over the last few years to uh, bring a championship. An epic press conference on Tuesday night from Harden, but yeah. No. And I'm not trying to sweep any of the interpersonal dyna- dynamics and the questions of how Harden would fit in with this roster under the rug, because there would be real questions. Right. I am not... And go back and listen to our podcast from a couple of weeks ago. We certainly discussed them, yeah. I'm Very not, real. like, thrilled about how he's done that, and I would be pretty nervous about uh, if if... You know, the Sixers didn't win a championship this year if things could go really bad in the next couple of years. And I also would be really nervous about handing James Harden, what, a four or five year contract mm-hmm. when he's 33 years old, where he's getting paid more than $40 million a year. But man, it would be nice to have James Harden on the yeah, team right now. Yeah, it would. <laughs> it is. So, you know, I guess. You know, there are some people who are questioning whether or not the Sixers offered Ben Simmons. That seems pretty clear. You know, I like I, I tweeted out, I sent a tweet earlier today, and I was like, man, it was just a couple of weeks ago when Sixers fans convinced themselves that Daryl Morey would never trade Ben Simmons because Daryl Morey said he wouldn't trade Ben Simmons. And I got a, a lot of tweets like, oh, this one aged poorly. Like, no, there's been no reports that the Sixers would not trade Ben Simmons. It's just they wouldn't match Brooklyn's offer. Uh, that That's not how aging poorly works. Um, it's become crystal clear that the Sixers would have traded or Daryl Morey would have traded Ben Simmons for James Harden. You know, we had, hold on, let me pull this up. I mean, if the Sixers were even going to be in the same stratosphere 
as the Nets and the other teams, James Harden had to, or Ben Simmons had to be on the table. And he yeah. was. Yeah. Um, so you had all kinds of reports. Uh, let's see where I think it was. Brian Windhurst even went as far as to say that um, the Sixers had talked to Ben Simmons about the possibility that a trade could happen today. Sham Sharania said that the Sixers included a or offered a package that included Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel, and draft pick compensation. And then you had Mark Stein of the New York Times said that the, the Rockets wanted Tyrese Maxey and the Sixers were trying to make deals which would get them additional first-round picks so they wouldn't have to include Maxey in a trade. And then Jason Dumas reported that the Rockets asked for uh, Simmons, Maxey, Thibel, and a number of unprotected draft picks. And somewhere along in there, you know, you go from Sharania, who said that um, the Sixers were willing to offer Simmons and Thibel and, and, and draft compensation. Didn't get in too deep how, how, how much draft compensation that was. And then you had pretty much everyone else who was saying that the, the, the um, Rockets wanted more than that, more being Tyrese Maxey, more being draft picks. You know, it, it's tough to say because we don't know exactly how many draft picks Maury drew the line at. But they were they requested quite a haul. But what it does, everyone has been pretty crystal clear on, is that the Sixers would have been willing to trade and did make offers of Ben Simmons and stuff for James Harden. But uh, it wasn't enough to... I mean, Brooklyn traded legitimately every draft pick they could for the guy. You know, it is, I think, disappointing on from Sixers fans on a number of levels. And to Ben Simmons' credit, like he came out, I think it was Mark Spears, uh, who came out and said that Simmons is happy the trade didn't go through. Uh, so it seems like he is not too broken up right now. You know, we had a podcast not too long ago where we said that the situation where Daryl Moore couldn't find himself in was if he offered Ben Simmons, it wasn't enough and it got out. And now you had a star who was unhappy because he was, he was being shopped. Um, so it looks like right now Ben Simmons is happy. That's good. You know, I think if you look at it pragmatically, like Ben Simmons probably is happier being in Philly than he would have been in, in Houston um, with John, like he has a better chance to compete right now. So he be- better be team. The question Sir, comes better like, team. Certainly the organization he's been in his whole career doesn't have to move all that sure. stuff. Yeah. You know, I think where, where this risk of making your star unhappy would come in is if let's say at the end of the season, they get bounced in the second round or they go another season and lose in, and don't advance past the second round either this year or next year. Like, is this sort of like just a little bit more weight that gets added on to the frustration Simmons might have, like it would just be a piece in maybe the, the relationship deteriorating, but, or maybe it doesn't, maybe he gets past this and goes, Hey, it was James Harden. Like, yeah, of course they offered me in a package, but <laughs> or maybe he's just a robot. who just doesn't care just about anything. Robot. He's just, I just want to hoop. I'll, I'll play anywhere. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's what it is. But it, you know, it does sound like at least that aspect of this is okay for the time being. You know, Hopefully. I think, it's it's one to look for. I, it's yeah, one it, I'm it's, certainly going to keep an eye on. I mean, I, it look, is night I, one of this new reality. Yeah. I, I don't want to put any, um, you know, emotions into Ben Simmons head again. Maybe he's just really happy. The trade didn't go through. I, I will say it would be understandable if, uh, sure. if that affected his play or, I mean, it's, it's just only human to, for for a player of his caliber. I mean, caliber, if the athletic went to me and said, hey, we were thinking of sending you to the Delaware County Times, like I would take that a certain way for sure. Why you gotta, for sure. Why you got to pile on the Delaware County I just, Times? I just man. randomly picked one. All right. I have nothing the, against Delaware County Times. Uh, yeah, but with Simmons, usually the all-NBA player, and you know, again, we can argue 
where he ranks among the all NBA slash all star type players, usually they're the ones who are demanding the trades. Sure. Not the ones being offered in the trade for the guy who's demanding yep. it. So that, that that'll be something to look forward. Usually when um, you have to mend a fence like this, it is somebody like let's say Karis Levert, who was rumored to be in a package for like a Ben Simmons and it fell through. And you can mend a fence with Karis Levert because he doesn't have the clout to really be angry about something like that. Ben Simmons does. And for the Sixers, from the Sixers perspective, it's really good right now that he seems like he is okay with everything that went down. But it is certainly something to monitor long term, for sure. 100%. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks. And we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager yeah so it's uh look you know i'm not sure how it's gonna work for brooklyn but if we're talking about are the Sixers closer to winning a title in the next couple of years than they were yesterday? I, no, no, yeah. they're not. They they're probably farther, honestly. I, you know, the more I think about, think this through from Brooklyn's standpoint, I, I'm pretty worried about how that team would guard. I, that'll be oh, an interesting. They just, they just benched DeAndre Jordan and he's the only big man they have right now. Yeah. Th- that'll be an interesting situation to watch. I, um, I do think there is an element of Harden. I I really want to make it through this podcast without saying there's only one ball, but it with, with the guy like Durant and Irving potentially on the team, if Irving does come back, um, <laughs> what a wild card. Yeah. It's crazy. The, uh, what, look, he might just the have picture of him on the, in life. The, the, the pose that he struck on that zoom was, uh, was very funny, uh, I will say, with the uh, yeah, with the hand on the. Uh, somebody said it was the uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist shooting form that he had <laughs> with the uh, <laughs> with the hand on the chin. But uh, again, I think like that team was pretty good with perimeter creation. If if you tell me, hey, they're just going to be completely unguardable, I understand that that is a scenario that is in play. But I'll just say I'm more concerned from the Sixers standpoint where I thought they might have been the team that had the most benefit from getting Harden. And okay, okay, yeah, now Harden is in their way. 
to an NBA championship and and maybe even just making the finals. But but I also am more worried about it just like they, they missed on the opportunity to get him. And I wonder if there's going to be another player soon that is even remotely of his caliber available. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we wrote about this recently in a, and recently the article will come out before this podcast does, but we wrote about this and, you know, sort of like the angle I was looking at, there's a, there's a couple of different reasons why they are farther away from a championship now than they were at this time yesterday. And, you know, one of them is that they have to get through Brooklyn. And like you said, I think Brooklyn is probably better. I think Brooklyn is probably better equipped to compete for a championship. I don't know exactly how much better. Like, they might only be slightly better. They might be significantly better. Part of that depends on Kyrie. Part of that depends depends on how these all fit. And part of that depends, quite frankly, on the buyout market. Um, Because they do not have very many avenues, especially with Dinwiddie and the injury that he has, they don't have very many ways to add more talent to this squad. So they're going to be heavily dependent on the buyout market and being able to get some semblance of a big man, especially if you're talking about a matchup with Joel Embiid in the playoffs. That being said, they are still someone the Sixers have to, you know, the most simplistic way to look at this is James Harden before was on a non-contending team in the Western Conference. He's now on a contending team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so if you're looking at it from the Sixers perspective, you've got to get through James Harden and Kevin Durant and the Nets. Some combination of the Nets and the Bucks and the, and whoever comes out of the West, whether that's the Lakers or the Clippers, like you could have a, a pathway where you have three exceptionally tough playoff series in order to, to 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 raise the trophy, and that's a very tough. You know, that is it is a tougher path than they had before. In addition to that, like I think I still think, and and I had a lot of people like, well, there were seven and one before COVID hit. Why not? Why don't you consider them a real contender? I still think they need to add a significant perimeter scorer in order to be able to take on the Bucks and the Clippers and the Lakers and 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 now the the Nets. One of those is off the table. And not only do you not know, and look, we, we can get into Bradley Beal, and I'm sure we'll spend the next two months doing that. Not only do you know if another <laughs> one will become available, but you don't know if another one will want to play in Philly. Like, we just saw how many superstars changed teams over the past couple of years, from LeBron to Kawhi both times, to Paul George, to Anthony Davis, they have all, for the most part, except for when Kawhi went to the, the Raptors um, and they took that gamble on it and he ended up walking anyway. Outside of, of Kawhi that one time, they have all dictated where they wanted to go. These superstars, and I think the Sixers need, if not a top five player, like a top 10 caliber player in order to really compete with someone like the Lakers, these superstars dictate where they want to go. And the Sixers had a rare instance here where not only did James Hart, was James Harden available, but James Harden had the Sixers at the top of his list. Uh, of the top two teams, the Sixers were in that group. That hasn't happened. Outside of a courtesy meeting, LeBron James, not even LeBron James, LeBron James representatives gave the Sixers two years ago, two and a half years ago now, in free agency where LeBron didn't even bother to show up. The Sixers haven't been on a list. So to miss out on this opportunity, and, and this doesn't mean that maybe the Sixers should have, and we don't, again, we don't know what the final asking price truly was in terms of, you know, if we're talking like, Simmons and Maxi and Thibel and three first round picks and two pick swaps. Like it could have been something crazy like that. We truthfully don't know, but regardless of whether or not the asking price was too much, this was still an opportunity. You don't know when you're going to get another, another similar one too. So you've got a tougher road to the, the NBA championship. You've got fewer, you know, one fewer opportunity to land that star and, and an opportunity that doesn't come around. And look, maybe, 
you know, Joel Embiid playing at a, an MVP caliber level, maybe Doc Rivers and, and, and Daryl Morey providing maybe some of that organizational stability and, and knowledge, um, confidence that other players would have. Maybe that helps them become that destination they haven't been, but we don't know that yet. So this was one opportunity where he had a star, he was available, he had interest in being here, and he's not here. And who knows when all of the, that combination of circumstances will come again. And that doesn't mean the Sixers should have given in to Houston's demands, but it does mean that there is a risk now that he is off the table. You could argue the biggest benefit for Brooklyn was keeping Harden away from the Sixers. Mm-hmm. You know, Do you think, let, let's say it's Simmons and Maxi are the two players that they trade. Is that the Eastern Conference favorite? Yep. Yeah, I do. I do. With yeah. the way Embiid's playing? You know, look at look at the way Embiid's playing. Now, imagine if your second star... First of all, imagine if the, Embiid is your second most talented offensive player. Like, just take a step back and imagine that and the way he's playing right now. But you, on top you of have, that... You would have the post-up king and the isolation king, which... Well, and, and, and two foul-drawing kings, too. Yeah. But on top <laughs> of that, not only is James Harden a better individual half-court scorer than Embiid, who's already averaging like 26 or 27 a game... But he also has enough floor spacing and gravity to make Embiid better. Like one, it would have been a, a really interesting fit. Um, I mean, imagine how terrified you would be to double team Joel Embiid if you've got James Harden. Now Harden would have to actually move off the ball a little bit. But theoretically, imagine how terrified teams would be to double Embiid. Yeah, I think I think they would have been the the favorites. And maybe it doesn't work. You've only got a half of you know what. 61 games or whatever to figure it out or 60 games or however many are left. Maybe they, they can't figure it out in time, but uh, I think they would have had a shot. Yeah. And I think that's where the details of this trade comes out. It's, it's clear they would be better, but from Daryl Morey's standpoint, how much better are you getting? And I mean, that's, that's tough. The, uh, the other unspoken part of this, like you said, you know, Embiid playing at an insane level, the, performance he put on I don't care that it was Precious Achua and and company his performance against Miami remember remember like 150 years ago when we spent like 45 minutes talking about that game yep and now we're not but (laughs) uh but just some of the most insane shot making I've ever seen I mean he was taking Kobe shots and, and making them um and we spent all last week talking about how much better his passing out of the post was he is playing insane basketball right now. Now we've seen him play pretty high level basketball coming out of the uh, start of the season. Not, not quite at this level. This is better than 2018, 19, in my opinion, just because of the passing and, and the efficiency is probably a little bit better too. Oh yeah. He's shooting like 54, 55% from the field. Like he is having by far his most efficient scoring season, but we, we haven't seen him keep that season going for the entire year. Um, the, the other thing that is hanging over all of this, and it is my particular worry, maybe it's, it's a little more of a worry because he just played one of his worst games as a sixer. Maybe it's because I'm not sure if that knee is a hundred percent right now. And I have a little bit of concern would like to see him in the upcoming games, you know, get back to his normal level of athleticism, which is really quite important to his game, honestly, more important than the average player, I would say. Um, my, my biggest question right now, 
is Ben Simmons trade value going to just get lower and lower though? And it's, it's something I worry about, you know, he is under contract for five years, but if he's not improving at all, you know, he's, he's obviously getting worse right now. I, I expect him to normalize to his normal levels, you know, the 16 points a game, eight rebounds, eight assists. But if he's not showing any meaningful progress in terms of being the half court scorer, and we have seen none of that none. this season. Nope. Um, is his trade value going to go down? Like is, sure. is maybe, you know, that we, we talked about this trade under the idea that Ben Simmons was the best thing the Rockets could get. And is that the case is my question. You know, the Rockets really didn't get a high level player back like a superstar. I mean, they, they went and traded Levert to Indiana, by the way, I think that's a good move. I think Levert is pretty overrated. Uh, he's, he's certainly not an efficient player. Not at when all. he plays he's, the Sixers. He's not. Yeah. Even that game. What do you, what do you have? Like 23 points on 28 shots. Yeah. I don't really care about that, but, but it seems like the draft picks, Almost Trump Ben Simmons in a way that maybe they wouldn't for other all star level. Yeah, players. well, I I certainly think as like in terms of an individual asset, I think Ben Simmons was the best asset that Brooklyn could have gotten. You know, I think when we talked about this trade a month ago or a month and a half ago or whenever, whenever we we spoke about it, like I didn't expect Brooklyn to dump literally every draft pick they had. <laughs> uh, so I didn't expect Brooklyn to be able to make up that gap between the best asset and Simmons and what um you know, what they were able to, but I think Simmons was the best asset offered in a trade. It's just, they, they included so much that was overwhelming. And the problem is with the asking price now basically being said as you have to give a crap ton Everything. of draft capital Everything. for even fringe all-stars yeah. in a lot of cases. I mean, forget and, Harden. And by the way, thanks Daryl Morey for setting that precedent. Um, not that he was the only one, but like the Russell Westbrook trade and, and you've got the Paul George trade and then you've got the recent Drew Holiday trade. It's like draft picks, you're just lighting them on fire right now. And, and look, I've I had a lot of people. And I mean, for Brooklyn, like at least the Anthony Davis trade, you know, he's like 27 years old. He's going to re-sign, blah, blah, blah. Brooklyn really just dumped all yeah. of their picks on the table for a 31-year-old and who's like, not in shape. And, you know, I had a lot of people being like, well, but those Brooklyn picks aren't going to be worth anything. My guy, these are ending in 2027. Like at 2027, like Kevin Durant would be 39 and James Harden would be 38. And of course they're probably not, who knows whether they're going to be in the NBA, much less with the nets, much less any good. Like there is so much that can happen in two years, let alone what can happen in seven years. Like there's, you know, (laughs) and again, they only got, only got four first round picks, but they got four pick swaps, which means if Brooklyn goes in the tank at any point, they're getting a really good asset out of this. And some of these deals, like, yeah, you can reasonably predict what's going to happen with a team in the next 12 months. You're pretty good chance of predicting what's going to happen vaguely in terms of where they're going to end up in the next two years. When you start getting behind that, and this has been proven time and time again, you can just go back to Brooklyn. Uh, you know, what did one of those pick swaps end up as? Didn't one of those pick swaps end up as Dame? Uh, or am I thinking, no, the pick they traded for Gerald Wallace to re-sign Deron Williams end up as Dame or something like that. Brooklyn yep. traded a pick number, that ended up as Number Dame six Wallace. pick, yeah. Yeah. Your ability to predict the future, we are terrible at it. First of all, we're bad at predicting the future and we're also extremely egotistical and confident at the point where we shouldn't be. 
to think that Brooklyn isn't going to end up in a, a bad spot at any point in the next seven years, it's very optimistic. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll make the prediction. The, the, I'm saying that they are going to give something really good to Houston at some mm-hmm. point with one of those picks. And sure. honestly, I don't think it's like crazy to predict that the middle of this next decade for Brooklyn is going to be like the middle of their last decade after the, that crazy Garnett Pierce trade that they made. Um, I, I just think like they, they gave away so much that said, and this is the nature of the NBA. If they win a title flags Doesn't fly matter. forever, yep. that's the point of this. And they're in a better position than the Sixers are right now to do that with, uh, with the acquisition of Harden. It's uh if Daryl Morey gave up eight draft picks for James Harden, I would be terrified. Like that you, they have no real ability to pivot. If, Anything bad happens, like nothing, nothing. It, it, it's a lot. It's a fucking lot. And, and I, it's just part of the the problem with this is that, and I'm sure Embiid probably doesn't want to hear it because he talks about he wants to play here till he's 35 and continue to play at high level. And good, good for him. He, sh- he yeah, should think that. 100. There is a general worry though. How long is he going to be this good? Oh sure. Be- because he is. So he'll be damn- he'll be 27 in three months, Rich. Like he's, he's not so damn young. good right now. And okay, if he does stay healthy, I think we can say that he'll be pretty good for the next couple of years. They're close to this level. But that could end at any moment. And the shame would be to make it through Joel Embiid's prime and not really have a chance to win a title outside of the, the team they yeah. had a couple of years ago that they pulled and, the plug on. And look, when you look at this team right now, I don't. We've said this earlier. I don't view them right now as a legitimate title. Con- and I know they're seven and one pre-COVID, blah, 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 blah. I think they are a pretty significant piece away from being able to. Uh, I'm repeating myself, but I don't look at them right now as a real legitimate championship contender, even with Joel Embiid playing at a borderline MVP level. So I like the most unforgivable sin for me would be to waste Joel Embiid's prime when he's playing, when he has developed into this unique and this dominant of a player. And am I saying they've done that? No. But every time one of these opportunities comes and goes and they're not able to capitalize, that concern grows and grows and grows. And it feels like just yesterday we were sitting here talking, oh, you've got Embiid, you've got Simmons, you've got Max Caproom, you've got the number one pick in the draft. And now all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, he's about to be 27. He's had multiple navicular bone injuries multiple knee injuries. He's had a, a, a stress fracture in his back. Like how many miles does Joel Embiid have? And I hate having that conversation, but it's impossible not to. And he's so good and so unique. And he's come so far as a fan. This would be like spoiling this prime would be unforgivable. And I, I like, like I said, every time one of these opportunities comes and goes, it just, it concerns me. And look, maybe, maybe Bradley Beal ends up becoming available. And I'm surprised it took us 20, 30 minutes to get to his name. Maybe he comes available. He's 27. He makes more sense. He's not nearly as good of a player as James Harden. That's, yeah, that's that the problem. The top. Harden, like, no, Harden like, is the the all-by-himself offensive engine. Yes. He, in a way he, that Beal is not. Beal is a world-class scorer. He's one of the best 20 players in the league. Yeah. But like we said, the difference between one yeah. of the best 20 and the top five is a lot. And look, he puts up points. He does so pretty efficiently. Uh, he's got a lot less baggage. He's 27. He's all got that more versatility. Stuff. You can move him off the ball and do and stuff like that. By the way, all that stuff 
is why when Bradley Beal does become available, there will be more teams interested in him because he doesn't have the baggage, because he's younger, because he's not going to be as demanding on the team he goes to. He will. There will probably be more teams in the running for Bradley Beal. When Bradley Beal is traded, and I think he's going to be traded. It might be at the deadline this year. It might be over the summer. Who knows? But when he's traded, I think you people listening to this podcast are going to be uncomfortable with what he ultimately fetches. That's just the way the NBA is right now. It seems like GMs and teams have caught on that, holy shit, these star players really matter and are starting to be valued a little more appropriately. But I think you're going to be uncomfortable with what Bradley Beal gets back in the trade too. I know the Tampa Raptors suck right now, but do you think Masai just has to look back at the Kawhi deal and just oh, laugh at, at how little he gave up? Yeah, and why did he get a bargain? Because everybody in the industry knew at his first chance, Kawhi was going to LA. Everyone knew that was a one-year rental. He said, fuck it. We're not getting anywhere with the Mar anyway. Let's give it a shot. Get something special. He got something special, but he only got it for one year. Yeah. And I mean, his risk was different. His risk was more of a short-term risk. It really wasn't a risk at all because they weren't going anywhere and he didn't have to give up anything of future value for, uh, for the Raptors. So yeah, it's, it sucks. It's kind of just where, where the Sixers are at this point where, you know, they did go seven and one to start the year. They've had a tough week as we talked about for 45 minutes earlier today. (laughs) I'm not sure as much as I don't want to read into the seven and one, I'm not like reading into the past four games either considering Isaiah Joe and Dakota Mathias are hitting game winning shots for this team right now. (laughs) But yeah, this it, it, this did feel like an opportunity, and I, I mean, in our preview content, in our past pods, this is what we talked about. This this Harden, the specter of this trade was going to loom over the entire season. In some ways, I guess it's good we don't have to waste our time on it anymore, and we don't have to uh, deal with the uncertainty of it, and the Sixers don't either. On the other hand, the the opportunity's gone, and I just wonder, like, look, NBA stars will become available during sure. Ben Simmons' contract the next five years, I would say a lot of NBA stars will yeah. become available. They'll become available in the next year, I would say. There's probably going to be another person who pops up and is a good player. <clears throat> it's it just... Harden would have been a nice fit with his team if uh, if he is very much the last couple of years. I mean, I was just looking at some of his synergy numbers today. God, the volume yeah. and efficiency is insane. And it's... Uh, you know, in some cases, while I don't think all of those step back jumpers matter quite as much when he's playing next to Kevin Durant, it really would have been good on this team. So yeah. that's, I mean, you know, we, we've talked around the same point for the whole pod. It, it just, I don't know if it was the right move to not completely surrender the farm like Brooklyn did. But for right now, it, it stinks. They just, I, I don't see a move that they can make that would potentially raise the ceiling of this team. Um, Even Beal. Yeah. No, I mean, Beal does not raise the ceiling nearly as much as, as, uh, as Harden did. That is for sure. It's, uh, it's like I said, when we, I I fully expected when we had this podcast before, you know, it's, it's funny talking to other people around the league over the last month. And you'd bring up, oh, well, Daryl Morey said they were out. They were not trading Ben Simmons. And the number of people who would just flat out laugh at you when you said that, because nobody actually thought at any point that the Sixers were, were out on, on James Harden. Very clearly, I think he was in on it. I think the Sixers were interested. I think the Sixers made a strong play. I think the Sixers at one point thought they had a realistic chance of getting James Harden. 
And Brooklyn came in and just offered everything. And, you know, I think a lot of people are probably upset that that Ben Simmons doesn't have the trade value maybe they thought. I think there's probably some truth to that. I think Ben Simmons is a very divisive player in the NBA. And he's not playing well right now, which isn't helping the trade value. But also, I think GMs tend to like draft picks because they're a blank canvas. They allow you to go out, and whether that's actually making that draft pick or making a trade with that draft pick, they allow you to go out and sort of build the team as you see fit and be flexible and pounce on opportunities. And look, was Ben Simmons worth more than any one thing Brooklyn offered? Absolutely. But you're talking about eight draft picks. (laughs) And this might have been somewhat Maury's fault because Houston was in the, the weird situation of they had Harden, but they traded away all their draft picks in future years. Oklahoma City owns their picks for the next few years. So if if they are going to rebuild, like you kind of have to get a lot of picks back. Yeah. That's almost more of a must than than the player. Well, that was one reason I thought maybe the Sixers had a chance with Simmons because they don't really have an incentive right now to tank. Yeah. So getting somebody like Simmons raises their floor. Uh, if you can get a couple draft picks or a, a couple young players in a draft pick back with him, maybe that accomplishes both goals. You know, I think it, it is funny. If you would have said, if we would have had this podcast like two weeks ago, and we would have said Tyrese Maxey was the sticking point, it would have been the most absurd statement we've ever made on this podcast. And I still think if it was just Tyrese Maxey, I don't think he can be a sticking point in a James Harden trade. But it's how many more draft picks in addition to Simmons and Maxey and Thibel were was Houston after? And that right now is still unknown. But I do I wonder like where that tipping point was. Like what do you, if it was just Simmons and Maxi and Thibel with no picks, would he have done it? If it was just Simmons and Maxi and two picks and a swap, would he have done it? Like where was where was the line where he just said, you know what, this is too much, we gotta walk away? I don't know. And I'm not I'm truthfully not sure where my line would be either. I'd have to think about this a little bit more, but it is best way I can phrase it, that opportunity where you had a an MVP candidate who fit your current MVP candidate and wanted to be in Philly, that's a hell of a rare chance. Okay, let's... This has you want been... to talk about your, the MVP candidate they do have? Or the game? No, we already talked about that. Well, what do you want to talk about? You've tried to pivot. I'm going to pivot. Is there any way that the Sixers look back at this trade and say, wow, we dodged a bullet? I mean, part of that depends on how much Houston was looking for. You know, certainly if Harden becomes this, let's say they make the trade, the Harden and Pete pairing doesn't work either on the court or off the court. And in that instance, it would much more likely be off the court. Let's say they just don't get along. And in a year, you have to trade Harden or in a year and a half, he walks. And you've given up three future first round picks that haven't even yet conveyed. Yeah, there's certainly a a chance they say, like, we dodged a bullet. Is there any way that Harden in Brooklyn is such a disaster that just by watching what went on in Brooklyn, I mean, you could you could change your mind on this. Have you have you seen the way Harden and Kyrie Irving are acting right now? Of course, there's a chance I could <laughs> blow up and you just say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe he's just so much of a pain in the ass it wouldn't yeah. work." And and by the way, like James Harden's practice habits and 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 work habits not the greatest. Joel Embiid's <laughs> work habits. Certainly prior to this year, not the greatest. Like, there was some risk there, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And, I mean, in both cases, you have the guys who, yeah, okay, their practice habits aren't the greatest, but when they play, 
They're really fucking good. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And in Harden's case, com- compared to Embiid, Harden is an Iron Man and plays at all times. And I don't care if he's hung over while he's playing. He plays <laughs> fantastic basketball. It's, uh, you know, it's just like you look at AD and LeBron and the way they're able to complement each other so well on so both sides of the court and you, the way you're able to build a team around them and have no real weaknesses. Yeah. Like this was the Sixers one chance to do that. Like yeah. with how dominant Embiid was defensively and how dominant Harden is offensively and the way that both of their games, you know, Embiid in our podcast earlier today, we talked about the, you know, Embiid Simmons snug pick and roll. And maybe, maybe Embiid does have a little more of a, of a role game than we gave him credit for when he finally has somebody to can draw a double team. I would have loved to see James Harden go back to being a pick and roll player instead of an ISO player and, and put him in with Embiid and see if you can open that up and, there's a chance they could have been really good together. Um, yeah. We won't get a chance to see that now. Yeah, it would have been interesting because LeBron and AD are pretty much the ideal pairing, and you have two two-way killers with those yeah. guys. And with Harden and Embiid, not to say yeah. Embiid isn't a two-way killer right now. He is, but he's also not doing it from the perimeter, which is not quite as – it's probably not quite as impactful as like the That's LeBron level player. That's very disrespectful to point Embiid. You are completely I mean, disregarding point bead. I'm sorry. I mean, when he's diming up Isaiah Joe for uh, for threes if, against look, the... If, if Joel Embiid can create an open shot for Isaiah Joe, like he can create an open shot for anyone. I mean, come on. He was tripping over himself and finding him <laughs> last night. But uh, it, with Harden and Embiid, it roughly would have been, okay, we have one all-offensive player and we have somebody who can completely take over the defense and, and yeah. maybe those two together. It's... Uh, I'll tell you this. We'll be talking about this regardless of how it turns out for a long time. You know, whether it's a major missed opportunity, whether it's a dodge, uh, a bullet dodge. Sorry, my uh, I can't speak English at this point, but um, it it certainly feels like the biggest moment of the Sixers season and nothing happened. happened. Yeah. And nothing happened for them. Their team is exactly the same. And look. Daryl Morey loves James Harden. He loves him. That's like the, they, this is the fascinating part. Keep going. Sorry. If uh, there's no way I'm sitting here thinking Daryl Morey doesn't understand James Harden's value on the basketball court or what he can bring or what he can do to the franchise. If he said, you know, and, and you know, the fact that he, um, all the reports are that he was willing to offer Ben Simmons and they're just reached a point where he said, you know what? This is too much. This is crazy. I'm backing out. Like that point had to have been extreme and for him to back out, it does make me think like maybe Houston was just like they wanted seven or eight picks regardless of whether or not Ben Simmons was included. And the Sixers just said, there's no way we are offering Ben Simmons and that package of picks. There's just no way. Um, So maybe, maybe they didn't even really have a, but then again, by the same token, the Brian Winhurst report that they were, had told Simmons that um, there was a chance he would be traded. Makes me think they probably got a little bit close. The wild card here is, you know, maybe with Spencer Dinwiddie going down and Kyrie Irving going AWOL, like maybe that just forced Brooklyn to be like, you know what? We we got Kevin Durant here. We've got to compete for a championship. We've got to go all in. Like if, if maybe if Spencer Dinwiddie's healthy or Kyrie Irving's in, in practice right now, maybe the Sixers do have James Harden. It's, it's completely unknowable, but it's a interesting what if. It's unbelievable how quickly this escalated, you know, yeah. it, it just, and ran, I, think it, ran, I think it escalated because I'm mean, Brooklyn just put in their real offer. Yeah. 
and Harden lit a match on on the Houston season. I mean, he really that was a he, doozy of a of a presser. He was okay for a couple of weeks, and then it was all right, guys. Let's uh, let's speed this along. It's uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I guess we just have to talk about uh, a bunch of regular season wins now. Yeah. And COVID, we can get back to talking about COVID. Hey, Tobias, Tobias and Shake are back, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Tobias, Shake, um, who else was upgraded to probable? Matisse, right? Yeah, or... Matisse. Seth Curry's still out. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we'll see. Look, it'll, this team's more fun to watch when they have their full assortment of players. And and Seth Curry, when he does finally come back, I think we mentioned this on the, on the podcast that will never be released, but I think... Um, you know, Doc Rivers said that Seth is doing well. He had 24 hours where he was, you know, feeling under the weather, but he feels pretty fine now. He's in his basement watching basketball and football and playing video games. So hopefully he is on the path back to recovery. Uh, they will obviously be cautious with his availability. We are dealing with a pandemic after all, but with Shake coming back or, or being upgraded to Probable and Tobias and Matisse, we're getting much closer to seeing that, uh, that full non-James Harden Sixers team once again. And to be fair, they were pretty fun early on in the season. So yeah, it's, it's a not, good basketball uh, team. I'm just not sure it's championship good. Yeah, and with our focus on at least the medium picture today, you know, I remember Daryl Morey at his opening press conference. He, I think, I think he had said this before in Houston, but he got asked, "All right, so like, generally, how do you view teams?" And his answer was, "Well, I look at the next three years and." look at the championship probability for the next three years, and then we work from there. It would have been a good spike in at least two of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But who knows? So that's... Maybe, maybe another another superstar becomes available. Um, Sixers still have Ben Simmons. Tyrese Maxey, sir. I mean, look, if Tyrese Maxey went from the 21st pick in the draft to, you know, Houston basically demanding him in a trade with that's Simmons. One, like, that, that's one he would not have been untouchable for no. me. There's very few people who are untouchable. Tyrese Maxey has not reached. And look, I'm excited for Tyrese Maxey's future. Don't get me wrong. He does not hold up. Like it, it, To me, it had to have been not only Maxey, but the whole combination of however many picks Houston was demanding. Yep. And uh, we'll see. I, I I am not looking forward to, uh, to Twitter.com the next time Simmons has a bad game. <laughs> the next time... Maybe even Maxi has a bad game. Could there be a heel turn on Maxi? Nah, I don't think. Nah, I don't I think this is it. Not, not, not for this. People love no. Maxi. That's there, yeah. well, and there's always just like a fog of positivity around young players. Uh, and we saw this when we talk about Ben Simmons and his trade value. Like there is an assumption that they will get better at their weaknesses, and that their strengths are legit. And that assumption can last half a year. It can last two weeks with Julio Okafor, or it could last a year and a half or two years. But eventually, that fog runs out. And how much ground Max he makes up between now and then will determine a lot of his, um, you know, of how the fan base perceives him. But he will have time. Like his, he is showing enough obvious strengths and enough unique strengths, at least on his Sixer squad, where fans should be excited about his future. He still has some growth he has to make until he's a real impact player right now. But fans will rightfully give him some time to add that three ball to add that you know, ability to, to find that balance between drawing contact and finishing in the paint and to maybe cover up some of these defensive team rotations that he is missing on the defensive side. He should have that, that sort of benefit of the doubt right now. 
But uh, I don't. I don't think fans will hold over the James Harden trade on him for sure. It's not like he turned it down. He'd probably say, "Yeah, I'd trade myself for James Harden too." Yeah, maybe. Um, did we get you know everything? What? You know, what I just thought about right right now um, because I, I I think players like Maxi probably recognize somebody like Harden, and I thought back to Zaire Smith. Remember when he dropped like, "I'm going to be the next Kawhi Leonard." And I think we all thought he was laughing or kidding. So we started chuckling and then he started chuckling. I don't think he was kidding. Me either. Uh, good yeah, good that kid, was... Zaire, but not not quite Kawhi Leonard yet. No, and I don't think Maxie has, has said that, although he seems like a confident kid. Did we touch on everything? Uh, probably not. I mean, we talked 45 minutes about it. Uh, oh, by the way, the Sixers won in overtime 137 to 134 over the Heat. I don't even know if we mentioned that yet. Like we mentioned aspects of the game and how Embiid played, but hey, they won against a skeleton crew of the Miami Heat who had almost none of the players who vaulted them to a uh, Eastern Conference Championship last year outside of Hero. Yeah. And Duncan Robinson. And Ben Simmons played terrible. Yeah, I think we mentioned that already. All right. So I think think that's probably a good enough place to cut it off. We'll have another one here later on in the week. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we'll talk to you soon. See you, man.